What is up, church family? Good to see you guys. We doing all right? Good, good. Man, I love, what I love is as we figure out this whole virus thing, I love seeing some new families in here. That's always encouraging. I love seeing some of our normal families coming back into church. Uh, did my heart a lot of good this morning to see some of you back in. This morning, I wanna talk about get your God dream, getting your God dream. And I wanna jump right into this because uh, I feel like I've got a lot to say and not a lot of time to say it. I don't know about you, but there's definitely been times recently when I've been thinking about 2019. And I've been thinking like, that was the greatest year of our lives. 2019 was like amazing. Because the further you get into 2020, it's like, and this is the tribulation, clearly. Like this this is the worst year that is... And the problem with that is I, I, I was thinking about that from the context of, of church, from the context of vision. Uh, before this whole thing hit, man, the way that we were trending even as a church, the way we were trending with attendance, the way we were trending um, with giving and serving and all these different things, it was just like, oh my gosh, we're gonna kick down the gates of hell and, and do amazing things. And then Auntie Rona showed up and just threw us all for a loop and, and it's... And, and it's caused us to refocus what it means to kick down the gates of hell. And, and that it isn't always about church attendance. And it isn't about necessarily all the things that we can measure and see, but it's also about what God is doing in the spiritual realm around us. And so I'm thankful for that, but I also know that it, it has affected some of the things that I was dreaming about. And so I wanna talk about that because this last week I got convicted when my son Reeves, he asked for some notebook paper because he just wanted to write some things down. So I wanted to look at that. Here's the first page. This is what it says. It says, 10 things I can make when I grow up. Number one, maybe discover an element. My kid is going to discover a new element for the periodic table. Come on, people. Become a famous engineer or scientist. Make the spaceship that will go to Mars. Make a wife and kids. Come on, how many of y'all know? Listen, good relationships with your wives and kids, good relationship with your spouse and kids, it doesn't just happen, you make it. You gotta work on this. Number five, buy a lake house. He just ran out of room to write for mom and dad. That's all. They just forgot that part. And then it says, turn page. Go to Harding University. I don't know why. I think it's the only school. He went on a tour there. So he's just like, that's the only school out there, I guess. So that's where I'm going to go. He says, get his master's degree. I'm like, if you're going to design spaceships, you're probably going to have to do a little more than that. But that, that's a great start. Become great friends with my siblings. And that one, like, I'm like, I'm not crying, you're crying. Uh, because, because how many of you know as parents, you just want so desperately for your kids to be best friends with each other. And, and it doesn't always happen, but this is just his heart. It says, visit mom and dad every summer, which I love everything about that because it means he clearly does not plan to live with us. <laughs> so that is winning. And then 10, love and cherish God every day. And the reality is the rest of them will happen. 
He does that one. There's a big difference, though, between just saying, I love God, I love God, I love God, and cherishing God every day. It's so easy for us to get in the habit of saying, man, I love God, I love God, I love God. I'm busy. I've got a lot going on, but I love God. Versus cherishing him. Because whenever you cherish, like whatever you, your heart, whatever your time, whatever your resources, whatever, whatever you give, that's what you cherish. It says this in Joel 2.28, then it will come about in a later time that I will pour my spirit out on everyone and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your elderly people will dream dreams and your young people will see visions. Reeves didn't realize it, but he was prophesying to me. He was reminding me how important it is because as a 10-year-old kid, his faith is not constrained by a temporary situation and circumstance. He's still dreaming big. You notice in this verse that when, the, when God pours his spirit out on us, it always reveals heaven's view. Heaven becomes clear. We can see heaven's plan. And it's always a bigger idea than anything we could have ever thought of. What are you dreaming about right now that if God doesn't show up, it'll never happen? Because if you're not dreaming in such a way that if God doesn't show up, it doesn't happen, then you aren't dreaming big dreams. You have to have a dream that just seems absolutely crazy. It's like, no way I could obtain this in and of myself. Do you have anything in your life right now that just keeps you up, ate up at night, not with anxiety and stress, but just with excitement and passion that you can't wait to see how God is gonna fulfill it? Do you have anything that keeps you up at night? And I'm not talking about Fortnite or binge-watching Tiger King. I'm talking about things that'll actually shape the world around you and impact eternity. Do you have anything like that? Because a dream, it does, it gives you passion. It's way more than a game. It's way more than a hobby. It's like Red Bull for your soul. It gets you pumped up. And it is incredibly sad to see a believer without a dream. It's dangerous to not have a dream. In fact, every suicidal, depressed, discouraged person in despair, every person that's ever quit, every person I've ever met like that, it's simply because they, did, they weren't dreaming about anything. They didn't have anything in, in front of them. I also would say that just because you have a big vision doesn't mean it's this big, weird picture from God. Like some people will come and tell me like, hey, I wanna tell you about this vision I had from God. I'm like, oh goodness, this is gonna get weird. And they'll describe like, you know, and then I saw a horseman and he was, and I was like, well, that's great. I mean, but what, what does that mean? I mean, because they think like, I got, a, I got a dream like the prophets of old. So I want you to do right now, I just want you to nudge, nudge your neighbor, just nudge them, nudge them like they're, they're nodding off. Like, hey, wake up, wake up. Not nudge your neighbor. I didn't ask you to do much this morning. Nudge your neighbor. I'd much prefer just to have to get a nudge from God. That's all I want. I just want his nudge. But here's what I've noticed. He can't nudge me if I'm walking away from him. He can't nudge me if I'm running away from him. 
I gotta stay close to him to get this dream. And that's all that God's asking. He's just asking, will you just stay close enough to me? I don't have to give you this big, crazy thing. I just want you to walk close enough to me that I can nudge you throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year, throughout the decade, so that you can stay in the middle of my will and accomplish the dream. I think one of the biggest hinders of our dreams is pride. You can't see well with pride. Prideful people have this need to be noticed all the time. But humble people notice needs and do what they can to serve those needs. You have to know this. If pride can get Satan kicked out of heaven, it can get heaven kicked out of you. But pride will keep you away from God's dream. You've got one life. I want you to live with a huge dream, a God-sized dream. And someone might say, well, Pastor James, like, isn't that prideful to say that I've got this huge God-sized dream? It's a fair question. I wanna give you a fair answer. I think pride lives way better within small dreams than big dreams. Because if you're living with a small dream, you're probably living with something you think you can accomplish on your own. That is way more prideful. Let me ask you this. You think my son Reeves is prideful? He didn't even know anybody was gonna see these. He didn't intend for them. In fact, could he just found them after he had written them out? I don't see a lot of pride in that. I just see a lot of faith in that. I see the innocence of a child who believes they can do anything with God. I do notice, though, that when it comes to pride, people might say this, look how successful I am. Look at everything I've accomplished. And I don't worship God. Well, pride lives in small worship too. But there's two things that I'd say to that. First of all, be careful. Second of all, what if you did worship God? You're so successful and you, and you've been successful without worship of God. Imagine what you could do if you worshiped God. Then what? I tell our staff, I don't, I don't wanna work with people. I don't wanna hire people that are sat satisfied with status quo. Like, this is good enough. I wanna be surrounded with people that think they can do it better. Like, I, I don't like it when I start feeling like people around me that I'm trying to live life with, that they've just kind of like, I'm good, just kind of fly under the radar screen. I want them thinking they could do my job better than I do my job. Dreaming. So how should believers dream? Well, how do I get this God dream? First of all, you gotta ask God to give you a bold and balanced vision. Starts with asking, 
In 2 Samuel, there's this guy named Benaiah, and it tells a story of how one day Benaiah sees a lion and chases the lion into a cave. Like, thought, wow, there's a lion. I'm gonna chase him. And he chased him in the cave and he killed him. I want you to be like that when it comes to God's dream. That it could be big, it could be scary, but you're gonna chase that thing down. But because Benai did that, he actually got the job of his life, the job of his dreams, to be one of the head commanders of David's guard. Because when David saw somebody who was willing to chase a lion into a cave, he knew there was gonna be some other lions that they were gonna have to kill. And he wanted that kind of faith and boldness and courage around him. Stop running from the lions in your life. Start chasing them. You know, one day somebody said, why can't humans fly? Flies fly, birds fly. Why couldn't we make some sort of contraption that would allow humans to fly? And I'm sure people around the Wright brothers are like, y'all are crazy. This is ridiculous. How many of y'all remember when we had the rotary phone? Remember? And, and, and the cable was short. So you like, you almost had to like lean over sometimes to even make a phone call. You got tennis elbow trying to dial long numbers. And somebody's like, what if we made a longer cord? So they made a longer cord. You could walk all the way into the kitchen. Remember the little curly cord? That thing would stretch forever. The problem was when you went back, it curled up on itself, right? So then somebody was like, what if we didn't need a cord? What if the phone, you could move it around lots of places? A mobile phone. And so they made one and it looked like a carry-on. It had like a big bag. You could carry it around. You'd see these guys like in the mall, whatever, like, whoa, they are rich. There was no cell service for it at that time, but man, they had the phone. Check them out. And now, because somebody had to dream. Somebody had to be willing to look silly, crazy. And by the way, it doesn't matter how old you are. Colonel Sanders started KFC at 65 years old. IBM started by Charles Randlett at 61, Home Depot. Founded by Bernie Marcus at 50. E-Trade started by Bill Prater at 54. But how do you start? In Habakkuk chapter two, it says this. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. 
that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. They did a survey of every successful CEO CEO around the world. There was one thing that all of them had in common. They wrote down their dreams. They wrote down their bucket list. They put it down. So write down your dreams, not just in one category. Not, not just like one day I want to have a business that changes the world, but what about your health? What about your family? What about your finances? Write it down. Here's what I've learned. The reason why it's important that you write down goals, dreams, vision is because I find that the areas of my life where I don't do this, where I don't have a dream, can hurt the areas that I do have a dream. So I want to have dreams for every area of my life. So types of dreams? Some people have a backwards dream. This is similar to what I was talking about. This is just looking back. And in that place, you're going to have a lot of frustration um, because you won't have goals. It won't be forward thinking. And you're just going to move through life from one crisis to another. Uh, it also creates boredom. Where it's just, you have no purpose. So you wind up watching a lot of Netflix. And But you also, most dangerous part about it is you live with a lot of regret. What if? If only I. And there's also those that have a low dream, which is a little bit better, but not much better. The low dream is just basically like, I just want to make some money and retire someday. That'd be nice. Like, the, this is living for your vacation. Like, that's all you're really doing. All your, everything just aims at, man, I'm just working my tail off because, man, but I'm going to the beach. Going to the beach. <laughs> or for most of us, Branson, here we come. But that's a low vision. Then there's those that have the wrong dream. And that's dangerous too. How do you measure this? It's easy to tell. How does your dream bring glory to God? Because if your dream on one level or another doesn't bring glory to God, then it may be the wrong dream. Then there's those that have God's dream. But again, there's different court categories. So what would be God's dream for your family? Ask God to help you plan your family. It's not gonna happen on accident. How can you be a better son or daughter? How can you be a better mom or dad? Family nights, vacations, trips, time with each one of your kids. And then there's also finances. If you don't have a plan for your finances, your finances are gonna plan you. 
you don't, if you don't have a plan, it, your lack or even your excess of finances will just wind up controlling your life. People with a great plan for their money, they may not seem like they have the best of everything, but they make the best of everything they have. And it's a much better place to live. Because without a plan, you wind up buying things that you can't afford with money you don't have to try to impress people you don't even like. And when you live in this place, it's like if you're at the lake and you dropped your phone in the lake, you're like, oh no, I dropped my phone in the lake. Well, I guess I need to replace it with the newest, most expensive phone on the planet. I guess that's what I need to do. Instead of planning, how much am I gonna spend on a phone this year? How much am I gonna spend on these different areas? I find that people that live this way, impulsive and reactive, they find excuses to get whatever they want, but in reality, it just means that they're covering up foolish guilt. So it's better to sit down and decide what you're gonna spend. Here's a short, very successful way to plan it. This is Dave Ramsey. Live on 80%, save 10%, give 10%. Live on 80%, save 10%, give 10%. But I would also hope that God would give you a much bigger dream. Imagine if we had a body of believers that were constantly sitting around trying to figure out, God, how can I give even more? How could I give above and beyond? Also in your devotion to Jesus and his church, that's another great category. So what's your, your vision to do the will of God? One simple thing that we started as a staff over a year ago was that we wanted to make sure that prayer was happening in this building every day, seven days a week. And we've done that. And I believe that it is, it's helped us a ton. But one of the things that I'll do is I commit that I'm, I spend time in my home every day praying praying for my family, praying for my needs, but then I'll always spend some amount of time around this building, even if it's at night and I have to just pull into the parking lot and I'll just pray. But I'm praying that God's will will be done in this place. But that was just a goal. That was just, it's a small thing. But the Ten Commandments say, if you'll love God first, then you can do the rest. And this is why we pray, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But the great thing is we don't have to wait to get to heaven. We have the Holy Spirit who knows a lot about heaven and he can help us make it look more like heaven. Also, you have to have a biblical community that dreams for God too. 
Sometimes you just need a friend that helps you find your dream. Anybody in the house ever go to look for something in the refrigerator? And you'll open that door and you'll look and look and look and look and look. And then you'll yell across the house to your wife. Hey, where's the whatever? It's right there. It's not saying shell. I don't see it. I think we're out. We don't have it. No, it's right there. No, it's not. And then what do they do? So infuriating. But sometimes you need fresh eyes to see what's right in front of you. And if you don't have biblical community, if you don't have somebody that's not your immediate family, if you don't have somebody that is invited in to challenge, encourage, hold you accountable, to discuss the word of God, to pray, to rejoice, to mourn. If you don't have that, you'll get very tunnel vision and you'll have a difficult time seeing the bigger things that God may have for you. You've got to have biblical community if you're going to find your dream. I also would say it's, it's important to be wise about who you share your dream with. Sometimes even family. Remember Joseph? Joseph shared his dream with his brothers and his brothers wanted to kill him because of it. So I think you got to be wise. And sometimes you got to distance yourself from certain types of voices. Everyone needs someone around them who will help them dream bigger. There are some people, when I get around them, man, it just lights me up because they're full of faith. They believe for even more for me than I believe for myself. And I love that. They help me believe big time. And I've had some big dreams before. And sometimes when I've shared those dreams with some people, they're like, what? I remember when I moved from Colorado to Arkansas, and we told some of the people that we worked with in Colorado, hey, I heard y'all are moving. Where are you moving? Arkansas. What? What is in Arkansas? Man, there's this vision. There's this vision to partner with the body of Christ to plant 50 campuses to reach the state of Arkansas, that Arkansas could be a Christian state. What? That doesn't even make sense. So I learned I have to be careful sometimes who I share these God-sized dreams with. But the one thing I've definitely learned God does not shrink his dream to meet the size of our city, state, our circumstances, or a pandemic. He doesn't shrink his dream. The only thing that limits his dream is our willingness and faith to believe. Number three, you gotta have strong conviction to do the will of God. If you want his dream, you gotta have conviction. A lot of people want to know what God's will is, 
Another way to say that is what's next? But the truth is this, you can't even go to the grocery store without a certain level of conviction. I've learned this since my wife and kids have been out. I've gone to the grocery store. It's just not a good idea. Because I don't, I don't have a clear, established vision full of conviction about what I'm gonna buy when I go in there. I just go in there hungry. I'm like, I need another bag of chips. I'm probably, oh, what? Those look good too. Before I know it, I've bought 10 times more than I ever needed to buy. You're going to have to have strong conviction just to go into Walmart, period. But you certainly don't want to go in there without a plan. You got to be wise. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So I need to pass you here because I do love you and because I want you, I wanna see you accomplish God's dream for your life. But some of you have filled your lives with crud just junk. Maybe you've added a little more of that crud and junk during this season because you have been out of sorts. You've been out of a rhythm. You've been letting life happen to you instead of living the life that God has called you to live. We've got to kick some of that stuff out so he can move his stuff in. It says in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are those who are pure in heart for they shall see God. When you have impure things in your life, it just keeps you from receiving from him. And the reason why is because your desire to hear from God has been replaced by things the Holy Spirit is telling you no. And it's kind of like being lazy. Like God's not gonna give a lazy person what's next because he can't trust him with it. He also can't give to an impure heart. Not a perfect heart, but a heart that's not repentive. But there's great news. You can get it right with God. It's never too late. You can get it right with God. I think sometimes we just misinterpret God's heart because it's never based in disappointment. It's honestly just, it hurts him to see his kids not walking in the fullness of what he created them to walk in. In Genesis 5, or Genesis 6, rather, it says, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. He saw that everything that they thought of or imagined was constantly and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he had even made them and put them on the earth. And I'll, this is the next sentence that, that has to sink in. It says, it broke his heart. Isn't that powerful? You see, the issue of living a life with a bunch of junk and stuff that 
is against the leading of the Holy Spirit, against God's word, is ultimately it just breaks his heart. Breaks his heart because he created you for more than that. There's a dream. There's a vision that he wants you to accomplish in your life. In Psalm 139, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. To get God's dream, I think you have to start there. What are the things that are in my life? Fear, insecurity, pride, anger, unforgiveness. What is it that's in me that doesn't line up with your dream for me? I wanna move it out. I wanna repent. I wanna ask for forgiveness so that you can move your vision into my life. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I know that there's been um, definitely some times in the last few months where it's been easy for me to just lose my focus, kind of take my eye off the ball. And, um, and it's easy to, to kind of justify it because, <laughs> because we're in a pandemic, so it's unprecedented. So there's a lot of times where it's like, well, I mean, this is just where we're at. But I, I really feel like that that can be a trap of the enemy because complacency and, and apathy, and laziness is, man, that's a playground for the devil. And, and when you're in that place, man, you're just, you're susceptible. And it's easy for you to let some stuff in. And, and so in some respects, I know that I have, I've had to repent from some of those things, but I, I have a feeling there might be a couple people that are here today. And the truth is you're away from God. And it's been way longer than just four months of a pandemic. It's, it's been your life. This morning, the Lord wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you. He does have a plan for you. He's got something that is beyond anything you could ever hope or imagine for. Anything that you could wrap your brain around, he's got a plan for you. But the only way you're gonna walk in it is you have to be willing to surrender to him. And you gotta be willing to admit that you don't have what it takes. But Jesus gave everything that you'll ever need if you're willing to accept it. So if you're here today and you, you're honest, you just know that you're away from the Lord, maybe you need to come back to him. Maybe you just need to, to rededicate your life to him. Either way, I just wanna give you that opportunity, give you that chance and I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm just gonna ask you to be bold enough to admit it, just to confess it. Before me and God, just have the faith to say, yeah, I know I need to make this step. If that's you, nobody's looking around. 
I'm just gonna ask you to put your hand up right now. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. But I just wanna know who I'm praying with. I just need to make a commitment to the Lord. I'm away from him. I need to repent. I need to come back to him. Anybody out here? Okay. All right. Well, I'm thankful for that. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, your faithfulness. Lord, I pray for every one of us, those that raise their hand or those that know that they are being led by you to do it, but they just didn't find the strength to do it. I I know that you know their hearts and I pray, Father God, that you would help us to search our hearts. Lord, to search and just be honest, be transparent before you. If you're making that decision, all you have to do is just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner, but I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I thank you that he rose from the grave. He defeated sin and death. And I ask for your forgiveness for my sin. And right now I surrender to you as my Lord. I want you to have complete control. And I I wanna walk in your purpose for my life. Lord, I wanna find your dream for me. I just want to also just pray for anybody that just feels like you've lost your dream. You've lost it. For whatever reason, you just, the season that we were in may have hurt it. It may have just been something that's, but you've lost it. Or you've just never had God's dream and you want it desperately. If you're either one of those people, would you mind putting your hand up too? I just wanna pray for you. Father God, I pray for every one of these people that are raising their hands right now. God, I thank you that you do have amazing things in store for them. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would pour out a fresh anointing on them. God, I pray that you would light a fire again in their spirit to believe bigger than they've ever believed before. God, I pray that they would boldly write down the things that you've placed on their heart God, that you would help them to attach it to the word of God that's irrefutable and irreplaceable. God, that you would give them the strength and the boldness to take the steps that it takes to start moving in the direction. God, that you would give them strong God vision for their family, strong God vision for their place of work, for how they're raising their kids, that everything that they do would shout of the glory of your son, Jesus that because of the way they live with the kind of dreams that they have, they would point people back to you. Thank you for that, God. Thank you, Lord, that you're not constrained by time and space. Thank you that when you give us a dream, it's way bigger than a virus. It's way bigger than temporary seasons and situations and circumstances. It's way bigger. We can believe you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.